more into this this week or not because I wanted to, but I was having a hard time with with uh, looking at it. But Revelation 17 was was where we had started last week, and we were looking at some of the different things with the prostitute that sat over the many waters, and um, and then in Revelation uh, 17 and verse 15, it the angel told John what those many waters were, uh, and I'll start there and kind of see where we go from there. But Revelation 17:15 said, Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. And of course, the, the, uh, that's in the NIV version. King James says tongues um, instead of languages. But that, that, that position where this prostitute is sitting above these many waters, and the waters are, are the people, they're the nations, they're the, the tongues, the languages, all these multitudes of individuals. And, and we talked about the whole sea of humanity and how uh, we need to be raised up out of the sea of humanity because if we remain in there, we're going to drown. And uh, basically, you know, that illustration of the Dead Sea, which is the lowest body uh, or the lowest water on the earth, it's actually below sea level, 1,300 feet below sea level is the Dead Sea, and then it goes another 1,300 feet below that, the bottom of the Dead Sea. It's the lowest point on earth uh, with a body of water in it, and it's just, you know, not a coincidence <laughs> that it's right there by Jerusalem that God has that place, and the illustration is the water flows in, the river flows in, the River Jordan where Jesus himself was baptized flows into the Dead Sea, but no water flows out, and that's why it's dead. The water has to flow out. Uh, the only way that the water gets out of the Dead Sea is through evaporation when the sun comes. And we talked about how, you know, the Bible says we're, we're just a vapor, we're a mist. And if we're part of the Dead Sea, that's about it, man. We're going to evaporate when the sun comes. We need to be that spring of living water. Jesus stood up on the last and greatest day of the feast and said, come to me, all ye who thirst, and I will give you that living water. Praise God. A spring that wells up inside of us because that is what we need to be. We don't need to be someone that receives water and doesn't pour out. We need to be that living spring of water that not only receives it, but pours it out to others because that's when there's life. Uh, that's when there's power. That's when there's beauty. And, and he said it's living water. It's not dead water, but it's alive. Uh, to the Samaritan woman, you know, if you drink, you're never going to thirst again. And she's like, oh, give me some of that water. I don't want to carry this bucket anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not about a bucket. It's not about the well. It's about your soul. It's about your spirit. It's about a relationship with God. Oh, do we go to this mountain? Do we go to that mountain? Come on, lady. Spirit and truth is what you need. The reality of who God is, that true relationship with him. Whether you're on that mountain, this mountain, whether you're in a prison, whether you're in good times or bad times, you can worship God and you can have his presence and his spirit in your life. Let that spring well up inside side of you. Oh, thank God that we can break out of the sea humanity, that we don't have to just be part of this multitude, and we can be an individual fountain of God that is able to bring forth water and life. When Abraham dug a well and hit water, the different patriarchs, man, they would have that well till, still to the day. The one where the Samaritan woman was, was dug by one of the patriarchs. And hey, oh, are you better than Jacob that dug this well? She's saying to Jesus, he's like, man, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I created him. <laughs> yeah, it's, but they would, those wells were esteemed. Those wells were treasured. Those wells had names on them, and they were respected, and they were places of life. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be those wells no matter where we are. 
No matter where he has us, we can be a well that he has his name on us. He knows us by name, and it's a specific place where wherever we are, life. It's going to grow out. We are the oasis. We are the islands in the sea of humanity. And, and I think about the news this week, and it's just such a powerful illustration. We talked about how if you don't get out of the sea, you're going to drown in that sea of humanity. And what an illustration we had this week with Whitney Houston. Here you have someone that came up in the church, 11 years old, started singing in the youth choir. You know, uh, from what I can tell, from what I've heard, love God, um, praise God, worshiped Him. And then what happened? The sea of humanity got a hold of her. This prostitute that we talked about, this, this whore of Babylon, this one that was all about money, all about luxury, all about extravagance, all about these things, got hold of her and just gave her more and more money. $100 million contract, sold $170 million in albums. They, they say that she was one of the most, um, what was it, the most successful female entertainers in the world. One, yeah, one, of, one of her albums was ranked number 245 out of the top 500 that were ever done in the world, platinum, all these different things that she had, and she got swallowed up in the sea of humanity, and where did they find her? Under the water in a bathtub. What an illustration from God. Don't drown in the sea of humanity. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much fame you have, no matter how much acclaim, no matter how many trophies are on the mantelpiece, if you are in the water, the sea of humanity, you will drown and you will die. It will destroy you. It will absolutely destroy you. We have to break out of that thing. And I thought, man, if there was ever a clear illustration, look at that. What a sad thing. Die alone in the bathtub, underwater. Fell asleep or whatever the exact circumstances. Drugs were involved, probably, you know, all these, all these things. All the, uh, one of the first news reports I heard said, boy, nobody could have seen this coming. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Who couldn't see it coming? I mean, she had gotten all caught up in those things and was in bondage. She was a slave to that whore of Babylon. Caught up in that. And, man, what a contrast. And then to see Jerry... As he comes to the end of his life going, God, I'm ready. Let's go. Here I go. Awake and alive entering to the kingdom. Or a dead and asleep underneath the water in a bathtub. I know which way I'd rather go. <laughs> D.L. Moody, when he was on his way out, was just, he got up. He, they thought he was dead. And then he gets up again. You know, like he's dead. <laughs> and he's just rejoicing. He's like, ah, I'm ready. Here I go. There he is. Man, Stephen, <laughs> being stoned to death, I mean, that, that had to hurt a little bit, don't you think, being stoned to death? <laughs> you know, his body's being broken and bruised, and he's like, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God the Father, and there's Jesus standing up saying, come on in, thou good and faithful, and his face is shining bright, life and glory all over him. Boy, that's the way I want to go. Don't. Let that sea of humanity swallow you up. Break out. Get out. Come out from among them and be ye separate. And so this uh, powerful, powerful illustration that, that we have, even in our headlines today, and, and the reality of this, this one, this woman. And we talked about how she's there and she's riding the beast, you know. And, and she's, it's like she has control of the beast earlier here in Revelation. She, she's the one that has this power. 
and she's the one that, that rides the beast. But then later, it talks about how the beast and the ten horns turn against her, tear her flesh apart, consume her, and set her on fire. And we talked about how that's the way it is in the world. That's the way it is, especially in those that dabble in the occult, and witchcraft, and sorcery, all these things. They, they cast their spells. They do all these things. They, they have their familiar spirits and all this stuff, and they think they're controlling them. They think that they have the power over them, that, that they can you know draw a pentagram on the ground and then they're protected and now they can control this demon and all this stuff and then there comes a time in their life where them demons are going to turn against them, tear them to pieces and utterly destroy them it, you know, they'll play nice for a while yeah, and they'll give you what you want uh, we talked about how, how uh, a prostitute is very good at giving you service as long as you give what she wants. Of course, this one is wanting your soul. This one is wanting everything you have and to utterly destroy you. And eventually, if you get caught up in the sea of humanity, you get caught up in that whole Babylonian system, the whole world system, this whole way of following after man's way. When it comes time for a mark of the beast, why wouldn't you take it? Because you're already sold out to it. You're already flowing in it. You're already a part of it. And so when it comes time for that, yeah, so many people will just be like, yeah, yeah, fine. Take on the name of a beast? Fine. Yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Give me a mark. Yeah, good thing. I can still buy, sell, and trade. That's what's important after all. That's not what's important. I'll tell you what. I don't want somebody else's name written on me. I want my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I want him to know my name. I want him to know me. Uh, I, I want to be known by him, by name, known as a well, as a place to go for something to drink. And when he sees someone thirsty, I want him to say, hey, you know what? If you're thirsty, right down the street there, that's where Dennis is. Go on and visit him. We got lots of Dennis's in the church, so I can say that. We got <laughs> go over to Sue's house. You're thirsty. Go get a drink. I got a well right there for you. I dug it. It's flowing. Go and get a drink. Praise God that He will do that with us and for us. And I do. Amen. Amen. Isn't that neat, though, that we can be partakers of givers of life? I mean, this is cool. Man, there were so many religious in Jesus' day. There was the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. You know, all these different ones that were there. And what did they do, really? They brought around death. I mean, they brought along the law. Here they were. They were supposed to be the guides to the blind. They were supposed to be the ones that were holding out the word of God. They were supposed to be the ones that were helping others. But instead, they would just bind up all these burdens, and they'd put it on people's backs, and then they would turn around and walk away. So there you go. Have fun with your burden over there. Good for you, you know. Not even left a single finger to help them. And Jesus comes, and he's helping people. He's healing people. He's giving life. And they're up there going... Well, now, Jesus, you know, uh, you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. After all, I am a teacher of the law, and I know what the law says, and you shouldn't work on the Sabbath, because my job is teaching the law. And the interesting thing is, you know, they would be saying that on the Sabbath, which means they were doing their job on the Sabbath, which means they were working on the Sabbath. <laughs> right? Let me follow the logic all the way through. <laughs> Tell me what he said. Come on. If there was something that needed to be done, would you not do it? Ooh. If their donkey fell in a ditch, you know what? All of a sudden, yep. wait a minute. Oh, well, it's, 
poor donkey. We just need to pull him out. These are the children of Abraham. They have been tormented. He's in the synagogue, and there are people possessed by demons in the synagogue, and they're more concerned about whether Jesus is setting someone free from a demonic spirit than whether they got demons in their midst. Thank you. We're welcoming demons in the synagogue. It's okay, Jesus. We're good with that. Just don't deal with it on the Sabbath. Go out in the street somewhere and deal with it then. As a matter of fact, here we got this woman caught in adultery. Why don't you go and kill her instead? I didn't come to kill. I came to bring life. And to bring it more abundantly. So not only am I going to set this woman free that you brought me that's caught in adultery, but I'm going to forgive her sins. I'm going to give her an opportunity to live a sinless life. Go and sin no more. And you are going to be confronted with your sins. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Mm, gosh, this sounded like a whole lot of fun until you said that, Jesus. And they start dropping their stones and walking away. Praise God. But somehow that all has to do with the sea of humanity. I don't remember what now, but we started somewhere and got there. The uh, one of the verses here. Let's uh, turn in earlier in Revelation. This is something that Mike Matthew shared. Um, it was about a year ago or so, he was talking about the voice of rushing waters, how the Lord comes with this voice of rushing waters, and was talking about how one of the things that God was using in these last days was waters to get people's attention. He talked about some of the flooding that was down in Branson area, um, something he was familiar with there. Of course, we had the tsunamis, we had uh, some of the floodings, we had uh, also things like the tornado in Joplin, you know, which... Had good and bad sides of it, amen. <laughs> um, and, and all these different things, and, and the way the waters were being used. Again, go back to just this week, Whitney Houston. I mean, what 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 a chance for people to look at and say, you know what? Here she had everything the world had to offer. Was it really of any value? Uh, what good does it do her today to have a contract, a hundred million dollars? Yeah, put her up on the pedestal because of her talent which God gave her in the first place, you know, and, and, and we have that opportunity in each and every one of our lives. Okay, you may not be a multi-million dollar singer or something, but you have talents and abilities that God's given you. And the enemy will use several different ways to, to destroy that in your life or to exploit it in your life. He'll do either like the Whitney Houston thing, well, he'll take it and make it something that's sold out to the world, something that, that is used for celebrity, used for money, used for influence, used for only man's glory, man's power, man's money, making how many people made money off of her talent that God gave her. Or he'll tell you, you know, you're not worthy, you're, you're, you're invaluable, whatever you have, and stop you from doing anything with it and prevent it. What did you have? You have some? Oh. You looked ready to share something there. <laughs> and those are two, two of the big ways that he'll do it. You know, he'll exploit it. They're, they're ministers today that he does that with. You know, they have gifts and abilities. Maybe they have the gift of healing or, or they have uh, different things like that. They have a good message from God and they'll start marketing it. They'll start selling it. They'll start becoming a celebrity within, within the church and doing all these things. And that's not why God gives you gifts. That's not why God gives you talents. That's not why God has put those abilities in there. It's for the building of His kingdom. That's why it's so important to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then let the other things be added on to us. 
There, there's no reason that Whitney couldn't have been extremely successful in glorifying God and walking forth in that. But man, the sea of humanity, it's like, man, this is, this is good. We need to get it. The enemy sees things of value. He knows the things of value in your life, the things that God sees beautiful, and he is working over time to either get a hold of them and use them for his glory or to stop you from seeing them and walking in them. Both things. Every, and every one of you has these things in your life that, that he's doing that. If we could all learn how to walk in the gifts and talents, the abilities, accept the gifts that God has for us and to walk in those gifts, to share those gifts with others, man, we can transform this world for the glory of God. A little leaven <laughs> leavens the whole lump. And we are called to be that leaven. Man, I, and, but I am excited that we are in a day where I believe more and more individuals are going to realize it, step out of it, and walk forward in the glory of God and see that transformation. I, I am so excited about the time that we're in because we're, we're there. We're, we're at that point. Uh, but but uh, it talks about here in Revelation chapter 1. And, um, well, let's just look at this whole thing. It's so cool. If I just go to the one verse, it's not as much fun. Uh, Revelation 1.12. And I'm reading from the New International Version. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And here's uh, John. He's on the island of Patmos. He's in prison. And he's having a vision from God. Uh, pretty cool vision. One that has caused many people to write many books. <laughs> uh, but when he turned, uh, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Boy, that, you know, <laughs> if you ever had a time where things just aren't going the way they want them to, or you're just, you know having some difficulties, you know, read a section like that and meditate on it. <laughs> look at who your God is. Here, here, look at the vision of him. Uh, this robe that he's wearing that goes down to his feet, dipped in blood uh, as he walks the, the wine press of God's wrath. This eyes that are burning fire. You think he can't see what's happening? <laughs> He sees everything through the fire. The, the, the sword that comes out of his mouth, his, his very uh, word of God that is sharp and double-edged and able to just cut to the soul and the spirit, right down to the joints and marrow. Uh, the power of this vision is so amazing. I mean, just, just the breath of his coming is going to destroy the enemy. Uh, it, it doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> just, the, just that little, and it's over. Uh, the enemy thinks he's so powerful. He can have armies, nations, Syria, Egypt, all the different ones, Iran, you know, rising up. Boy, look at, look at, look at how great and powerful the enemy is. He's ready. He's going to go after Israel. He's going to destroy God's people. He's got it. Nuclear weapons coming up. Oh, he's in so much control and just, the breath of his coming. <laughs> They're gone. I mean, that's it. Why wouldn't it take just a breath? After all, that's all that he needed to give Adam life. 
is a breath. One out of breath to, to bring destruction to his enemies. But what it says that uh, the voice that he has is like rushing waters in, in verse 15. His feet were like uh, bronze glowing in the furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And one of the things Mike Matthews, a friend of mine that, that has the, the gospel broadcast, and I did the, uh, uh, I shared my testimony with him on the radio a while back. Uh, it was over a year ago and now and stuff. He was talking about the rushing waters and how God is speaking through waters, through all these different events to people and trying to get their attention and say, hey, you know, <laughs> it's time. Wake up. Uh, that was the big message. Wake up because the light's coming. Wake up. It's time to get serious about this thing. Wake up. It's not the same day as it used to be. An age has come to an end and it's time to move forward. And the neat thing about it is when you look at the fact that the, the woman there, the, the angel described in, in chapter 17, that the woman, the, the waters that she sat on was not only nations but also tongues, many tongues, many languages that she was sitting on. And I think about the, the sound of rushing waters and what's happening now is the Lord is pouring out His Spirit on His on His chosen people. He's pouring it out on His evangelists and prophets, teachers, uh, apostles, all the different ones that He has. And in every nation, every tribe, every language where the believers are, they are starting to proclaim the glory of God. They are proclaiming the time of the Lord's appearing. They are proclaiming, be prepared for the wedding supper of the bride. And the sound of many waters is the sound of many tongues speaking forth what God is doing. And more and more as we listen to what they are saying, as we pay attention to, to the words that are coming to the prophets and the teachers and all the ones that God has ordained to be out there, we can take a look at them and compare them and put them together and the puzzle starts to fit together and we start to see more and more the glory of God and the revelation of His testimony within His Word and the Word of God becomes more and more alive as we see the day approaching and all of a sudden we start going, oh <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I get it now. And we start to see more and more the prophecies being fulfilled. We start to see more and more the glory being poured out. We start to see more and more a bride that will be spotless and white. Because I'm pretty sure that the Bible says he's coming back for a bride that's spotless and white. That he washes with the water of his word. And I'm pretty sure that in the day we live in, there's some spots. And there's some wrinkles. And I'm pretty sure that it's a time to wash them spots out and to iron them, iron them wrinkles away. Praise God. I truly believe that is the day that we live in. And so as that sound of rushing waters is there, as the many voices are being speaking forth His glory, I want to pay attention to it. I want to listen to it. And that's why I open this up more and more for people to come and share their testimonies, to hear what they have to say. And that's why more and more I want to point you to different individuals that I hear as they're speaking forth the Word of God. Because it's not all just one person has the message, man. We need to get that body, that head of who is Christ ultimately and then flows through the gifts and the, those that he's put in place working together where we all have the leaders in place and it doesn't mean that it has to be the leader of this denomination or that denomination it's the leaders that God puts in place we don't need some name like you know oh, it's the Baptist it's the Assembly of God it's the Presbyterian it's the Church of Christ it's, it's whatever man within all the different places God has a remnant of people that are sold out to his name that are ready for what he's going to do and right now we can jump on board and we can walk in light or we can remain in darkness and be washed away with the water it's our choice and it's our time that we live in and I'm so excited about it uh, 
I, I think of some of the things that, that, that he says. Go, go back again in Revelation. I'm going to make you flip around a little bit. Um, probably around 17. Yeah, go to verse 17, or chapter 17. Because there's some really cool stuff that happens here. Um, we'll go, go to 19. Go to 19 and verse 6. I know. I can't decide. Okay, go back to 17. <laughs> go to 19. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to this first, and then I'll go back to the other one. Um, in in 19.6, it says, uh, here, this is, you know, Babylon has fallen, and when the world system falls, when Babylon falls, when, when judgment comes, heaven's going to be pretty happy about that. You know why? Well, you can imagine why. These people that have oppressed the poor, abused the needy, the ones that would take children and molest them and abuse them and exploit them, that would take even individuals like Whitney Houston as a young girl raised up in the church singing praises to God and, and get a hold of them and corrupt them. All those that are willing to do those things are going to one day face judgment. And heaven is anxious for that judgment to come. Because they are going against God. They're going against God's ways. They're going against God's commands. Nature itself shows forth the glory of God. You want to see the glory of God? Go grab a blade of grass. Or, or go look at an ant walking on the ground. Or go get, some, get a handful of dirt and look at the bacteria. There are millions and billions of life that's just in a handful of dirt. You want to see the glory of God. And yet, so many people reject it. They make their own image of it. They do their own thing. Exploit those that are needy. And the time is coming when the judgment will come and heaven will rejoice. And, and what's neat here is in, in 19.6 it says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then it kind of got it bracketed here. Fine limb stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And here, again, the sound of many waters, the sound of many tongues. All these people rejoices and excited because God reigns. He's judged Babylon, that great whore, and he's cast her down. And the kings of the earth are standing and mourning and looking at her, burning and smoke and fire and going, oh, whoa, Babylon the great has fallen. How, how could this be? The, the lamb comes down from heaven and the, the kings of the earth, the mighty men, so many, will go and hide in the caves. They'll go hide in the mountains and they'll say, oh mountains, fall on us. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, I tell you what, when it's time for His wrath, you can't hide. And the mountains, I believe, are more than just like physical mountains, although they'll probably do that too. But the whole mountain of kingdoms, mountains will stand for kingdoms. That's why Mount Jerusalem, the kingdom of God, the mountain of God. What did the enemy say? I will sit on the mount 
of the congregation. Those mountains are, again, it's like part of that sea of humanity. And they're saying, hey, everybody, come on, help us. And you can't be helped when he comes to judge. The only help you can have is by turning to the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, accepting the fact that he bore the wrath of God for us, and accepting that free gift of salvation. Then, when the Lord returns, you're going to be with that great multitude. You're going to be having that sound of rushing water coming out of you, saying, Glory! Glory! The Lord reigns! The kingdoms of this earth have fallen, but the kingdom of my God will last forever and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. The food we'll have to eat at the wedding supper of the Lamb. This one, I like this one. This is my own. If you're allergic to anything, if you're, if you're, I'll I'll claim to this one. If you're allergic to any foods in this world or there's foods that, you know, you eat and give you gas and stuff, so you stay away, you know, stuff like that. At the wedding supper, you get a big plate of that. <laughs> it's all yours. And no gas in heaven. Amen. Praise God. That, that's a new one. I didn't have that one before. That just came out right. <laughs> Praise God. Jerry's up there setting the table for it. He's got some of the placemats. <laughs> he says, okay, let's see. This is who's going to sit next to me. Here we go. <laughs> for that wedding so praise God that we go there and look at that it says that the this white linen he says is the righteous acts of the saints boy I, you know I want to be clothed in white <laughs> at that wedding supper of the lamb and we have the opportunity to walk in righteousness now the righteousness we have is from Christ we don't earn salvation we can't go out and you know make it happen or something he did everything he needed to do but because of the righteousness we have in Christ then we can start walking and living a righteous and a holy life we don't have to be in bondage to sin anymore we don't have to be in bondage to the world anymore we don't have to be caught up in the sea of humanity we can break free we all have strengths and weaknesses in our lives. We all have sin that so easily besets us. Each and every one of us has different things that we battle with. If you don't think you do, you might want to examine maybe it's pride. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. <laughs> Praise God. But we can walk in victory. We can strengthen one another. We can love one another. We can confess our sins to one another. And we can see more and more of the righteousness. Can you imagine that linen being white? I can just see Jesus looking down and saying, you know what? On the cross, they took my robe and they cast lots and they took it away from me, never to see it again. Boy, I got this new robe <laughs> that I'm working on and it's spotless and white. And it's in your life, in your life, in your life. It's in my life. Just walking in righteousness. The righteous acts of the saints. The deeds that God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, God prepared us to do good works and he prepared them in advance and we can do those. It's not because we have to. It's not because of law. It's not because of obligation. It's because of willing service to Christ. Because he came and willingly served us. You know, we talked about it last week. When Jesus was baptized in the river of Jordan, that is the lowest river in the world. It flows below sea level. That's the river he was baptized in. He went down to the lowest point for us. He was even made a little lower than the angels. And even at the Last Supper, knowing that he came from God, knowing he was returning to God, knowing that God would put 
everything under his feet, that his name would be above every name, that every name that, that is in existence, every power, every authority that is in existence, in existence would have to bow to him and worship him and proclaim him as king of kings. He got up, disrobed, and washed his disciples' feet. I don't I the image of that, the reality of that, I don't know if it sinks into us the way it should, because he said, a servant's not greater than his master. And what I did, you need to do. Uh, we have the opportunity to serve one another, to love one another, to, to reach out to other, to wash one another's feet. Praise God. And not only that, but we're the body of Christ. So when we care for one another, it's like we're washing the disciples' feet. It's like we're the, that prostitute that went into Jesus and washed his feet with her tears and dried with her hair. Wow. What if I, I'd rather be that prostitute than the Babylonian prostitute that's going to be torn to pieces by demons and burned in fire. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, one of the things that, that Jesus talked about, and I'll just go here real quick, is in uh, chapter 18. I just, I can't get this image out of my head because, again, with the whole sea of humanity and, and how it just swallows people up, how it just destroys so many lives and, and how, you know, it's all about luxury, it's all about excess, it's all about, I mean, if there was ever a country that exemplified the horror of Babylon, America is so good at it. <laughs> Luxury, extreme, excess. We got we got so many entertainers and stuff that we give hundreds of millions of dollars to, and they live in such excess, excess, and we just esteem them and lift them up, and they're they're so respected, they're so talked about, they're so um, you know the news is just full of everything about them, and it's like why? What do they do? They entertain us, really? That's that's what we value. This entertainment. Why? Because if we're entertained, then we're distracted from the things around us. If we're drunk, we're numb to the things around us. And, and that's what the, the prostitute wants us to have. You know, have the pleasures, have the entertainment, have the, the numbness that you have from all the medications and stuff that you can get. And then you don't pay attention to the reality of what's happening around us. You could be on fire <laughs> and in your bed sleeping and not wake up because you got so drunk with the things. You could be in a bathtub and slip underwater and drown and never wake up because you're so numb to the world around you. And praise God, we don't have to do that. It's time to wake up and, and to be alive. And, and, I, and I think about that sea of humanity. I think about those things and I realize, you know, Jesus talked about, it, it's impossible except that offenses are going to come. Uh, he said that about the little ones. He said, you know, there's going to be people that are going to hurt these little ones. He says, but woe to that man. Through whom those offenses come. Woe to that individual that is going to do those things to these little ones. Especially the children. Those that abuse, those that neglect, those that do those things to little children that shouldn't be done. He said it would be better for a millstone to be placed around their neck and to be thrown into the depths of the sea. And the deepest part of the sea, it's 10 miles deep. The pressure is so great there, it just crushed their body until their head exploded in and stuff. That's the image he's giving. And again, it's that sea of humanity. It's that millstone. And then when I read this and I go, boy, this, this is what he's talking about right here in verse 21 of, of chapter 18. It says, then a mighty angel 
picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. And it talks about how the music's going to be gone from there, how the people won't be trading anymore, how they won't be grinding wheat anymore, how the lamp is going to go out, how there's not going to be any bridegrooms there, that their magic spells and all these things are not going to be there, but that the blood of the prophets that they have stored up is going to be held on them and it's going to be accountable. And that accountability of the blood of the prophets on Babylon, on this whore of Babylon that's going to be there, and they said, man, when you're offending, when you're destroying, when you're taking away these little ones it's like you're going to have that millstone and you're going to be the one that's thrown into the depths and you know what's at the very bottom of the depth in the deepest darkness you know who's there <laughs> that's where the enemy's going to be that's the place reserved for the devil and his angels as a matter of fact you know the bible talks about it being a never ending pit of darkness and I believe the way it is is it's like you go down to the bottom of it where he is and then it goes a little deeper and then it goes a little deeper and heaven is so big it gets bigger and bigger his kingdom is never ending it keeps expanding and all the weight of the glory of God all the, the weight of the presence of God is on that deepest darkest place and that's where the enemy is and man if you're offending, if you're attacking if you're abusing, if you're doing things to the children of God especially to the little ones you're going to be joining him at that deepest, darkest place. There's a place of utter darkness. And then the Bible talks about there's even blackest darkness. There's some special places. And I'll tell you what. If you're someone that's going to be doing those things, you're going to be down there at the very bottom where the enemy is, realizing everything he did has failed, that he wanted to be at the highest point on the mount of the congregation. Now he's at the lowest, and all he has to do is take out his anger, his wrath, his frustration on you because you're closest to him. For those that think that there is not a time of judgment coming, it's time to repent. For those that are sold out in the sea of humanity, for those that are walking and promoting the things of this world and the things of man and they are trying to bring in, man, they target our children all the time. They target the little girls all the time. And as soon as they turn 18, they have a special purpose for them that they want to get them into. And those people need to realize and they need to come to a place where they need to repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand and there is a judgment coming. There are those that are in the sea of humanity and they are just up on the top and they're in the waves and they're being tossed to and fro. Some of them are almost being rescued. They've heard the word of God but every wind of doctrine is just causing them to move to and fro. They've got false teachers that are like waves of the sea. They're like, they're like foaming around and it's time for us to start throwing more and more lifetimes and pulling them out and saying you don't have to be tossed around by the wind in the waves anymore. You don't have to remain in the sea anymore. You can come out and you can stand on dry land. You can stand on the rock. You can stand on the one that is unshakable because the time of shaking is at hand and that which can be shaken will be shaken. 
Praise God. Isn't that neat that we have the opportunity <laughs> to throw out life to those? There's so many. They're right there. They're on the shore. They're right there tossed up on the waves. They're, they're pretty easy to rescue. We just got to pull them out. Pull them out of all those teachings and falseness and all the bondages and all the things the enemy wants to do to weight them down and just give them freedom and life. And boy, I'm excited because you know some of them are going to be so productive in the kingdom of heaven. So productive in, in the ways of what God wants to do. And as they share their testimony, they can say, oh, I was drowning. I was, I was dead. I, I couldn't make it anymore. I was on my last breath. And then someone came and gave me Jesus. And they gave me that stick and they pulled me out. And they put my feet on ground. And as I got planted on the ground, all of a sudden I started to see fruit being produced in my life. Abundance, the fruit of the Spirit. There's love. Wait, I've got joy. I've, I've got peace. <laughs> I've got goodness. I've got mercy. You know, I can give it to someone else. And as they eat of the fruit, the seed's still there. And now I can plant more seeds. And now instead of being cold and shivering and, and dying in the water, all of a sudden I've got a beautiful garden that my Lord and my God can walk in in the cool of the evening. And I can fellowship with Him and say, God, come on in. <laughs> Plenty of fruit here. Hey. What do y'all want to put on the table at the wedding supper, Jesus? <laughs> How about some of my kiwi? <laughs> How about some of my bananas? Come on, let's slice them up. Let's let's get ready. Let's go. How about some garlic for flavor? I mean, man, you gotta have garlic. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Well, mm, very good. A little cinnamon too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, and I don't know about mixing the kiwi and the garlic either. That probably wouldn't work. But um, praise God. And so, you know, I'm excited about some of these things that that God's showing us, and the the the, the waters of humanity, the, the those ideas, the sound of rushing water as God speaks forth. Man, listen for God to speak in the waters. And and there may be people around you. You know, they've had something happen. Maybe there's, you know, a rainstorm or there's a flooding in their basement or, you know, different things, different ways that water's talking to them. And just use that as an opportunity to let them know, hey, you, you, your possessions may get destroyed by the water, but you don't have to. You can store up treasures in heaven where the rust does not corrupt, where the thief can't come in and steal. You can have these things. Uh, it, there is that option. And so many, you know, they're looking around and they see so much that's happening. Oh, you know, what are the gas prices going to do? What are all these different things? And man, we have the answer. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm done. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all that you're doing for us. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for the way that you speak to us in so many different ways. And and Father, as, as we look at the, the sea of humanity that's out there, I thank you that you have called us out of that, uh, that we can be wells of life instead of just a dead river or a dead sea. Help us, Lord, to, to pour forth life into those that are around us. Help us to be more and more, to allow your spirit to produce that fruit in our lives. And Father, I just thank you for the abundance of what you're doing. I thank you that you shine down on us with your light and with your glory. And help us, Lord, to just walk and fulfill the path that you have for us and to, to more and more to glorify your name, to, to do everything we can without complaining or arguing and to be thankful in all that you are doing for us. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.